What's up, guys? Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tube Podcast. It is Tuesday, July the 11th, 2017, and just a couple topics on my mind for today. And the first one is, as I do these research on all these teams, as you guys know, I'm still hard at work on doing my SEC Power Rankings 1 through 14, which will be released here in the near future, and we'll talk more about that as we get closer. Uh, not too far away now. I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable uh, with where most of these teams are slotted at this point, I will say I feel very comfortable with my top five. Beyond that, it sort of feels like as it's been in recent years, uh, very hard to figure out. And even the top five is not set in stone. But I do think there are five particular teams uh, right now that I feel pretty good about at the top. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, there's a lot of potential for movement, especially from, you know, anywhere from 6 to 14. I think there's a lot of movement there. And, and there's a lot of movement within that 1 to 5 group as well um, when we talk about, you know, where I could have them slotted. Right now, I've made a couple moves in those first five and kind of switched some people around. And so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I just think that's the way it's going to be throughout this entire offseason. Even when we start seeing these teams play in November one night you're going to look out there and say, wow, you know, the team that we thought could be the 12th best team in the SEC uh, right now looks like the second or third best team in the SEC. And I think you're going to see a lot of that, uh, you know, especially considering the competition that these guys are going to face. And we'll talk about the non-conference competition for one team in particular here in this episode. Uh, but to start off with here, one of the things as I look around at these teams, I've talked about backcourt depth, a lot of good wings, a lot of good guards in this conference uh, who are able to do a lot of different things well. And I think when you look at the three-point shooting aspect, uh, last year there were a lot of good shooters in this league. And I think a lot of these guys are going to return. Uh, if we look at it by team, uh, last season the SEC, Vanderbilt was first. They shot 38% from three. Auburn was second at 37%. Arkansas shot 37%. Florida shot 36%. Kentucky shot 35%. And those were the top five uh, and there wasn't, you know, a whole big drop-off after that. I mean, Ole Miss shot 35%, Mississippi State shot 35%, South Carolina shot 34%. So there are some teams that have some shooters. And when we look at the guys who are going to be coming back, uh, it's going to be another opportunity to see some really good shooters on the floor. And we talk about the advancement, not only in the backcourt, but the frontcourt guys as well, as we see these frontcourt guys have potential to have breakthrough years. And there's a lot of them around the league you know, it's teams are going to have to guard somewhere. And so if they're doubling down inside, that's going to leave some of these shooters with opportunities. And, you know, you look back at last year, we talked about Vanderbilt being the team that was the best shooting team percentage-wise. Uh, Riley LaChance was far and away the best three-point shooter in the conference last year. Uh, from a numbers standpoint, he shot 49%, went 70 of 144 from the floor. Now, the 70 made threes were not the most in the SEC, but... Just percentage-wise, I mean, that's just outstanding. And think about where LaChance was the year before. I mean, he really struggled in the sophomore season. And to bounce back like that, shoot 49% from three, is just outstanding. Bryce Brown, he's going to return to Auburn. He shot 40% last year. Uh, we remember went through some initial struggles there where you kind of wondered what was going on with the shot and such. But, you know, shot 40%, and, and you can't ask much more than that. Uh, that's a good shooting percentage. Uh, Malik Monk was third. Dusty Hannes was fourth. Those two are gone, as we know. 
DeAndre Burnett at Ole Miss shot 38% as well. We talked about his scoring ability. Andy Kennedy talked about it before the season in that he was just a natural scorer. And it's going to be interesting to see how Burnett fits in with his backcourt this year because if we talk about the addition of Markel Crawford, Brian Tyree is getting a lot of positive vibes uh, from, a, from a lot of people around that program right now. And then you also talk about Terrence Davis, uh, someone who just was simply outstanding last year. And we've talked a lot about him here on the podcast. So uh, Matthew Fisher Davis was six, shot 37%. He's back at Vanderbilt. Uh, that's a huge boost for the Commodores. I mean, we talk about some of the things that happened during the season last year with him uh, to get him back. And if he, if he is just, you know, all in and, and things are going well, he is without a doubt, you know, one of the best shooters in the conference. Him and LaChance having those two on the outside. And Vanderbilt has other good shooters as well. Um, you know, Kayvon Allen's going to return at Florida. He's a guy with with a lot of potential. Th- shot 37% last year from three. D'Angelo Purifoy shot 37% last year. Uh, and he's someone that Bruce Pearl's talked about. You know, feel like now that he's going to move to his natural position, he's going to have a chance to have more opportunities from outside, and, and he's just an excellent shooter. So those guys were all in the top eight last year in three-point field goal percentage in the SEC. And, you know, I just think the value of shooters these days, and we talk about it all the time, especially when you have guys who can play all sorts of positions. We see big men now be able to step out and shoot the three and all that. And I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. You're going to have a lot of good shooters in this league. And that's one of the things I've been looking at and trying to compare numbers with the guys that are returning. And, you know, we can even mention, you know, you can't forget about the guys who are going to be freshmen and are going to have an opportunity to come in, and there are some outstanding shooters in this freshman class as well. Uh, so it's just a matter of seeing how all those kind of fit together. So uh, it's, it's really fun. I mean, the three-point shot, obviously, it is what it is. I mean, it's something that we've seen, obviously, has been a huge importance in the game these days. And when you can shoot the three well, you have an opportunity to win. And I think that's one thing in particular when you look at Missouri. Missouri finished last in the SEC last season, only shot 30% from three and now when you think about the added elements they have in there that's where I think there are still concerns in that Missouri has to be able to shoot the ball well Uh, they have to be able to knock down jump shots and if you know you really need to be able to knock down outside jump shots as well Uh, and that's gonna be interesting to see how the new players add to that different element Alabama was another team who was second to last in the SEC last year only shot 32 percent from three that's gonna have to get better if Alabama's gonna have an opportunity uh, to, to reach their potential, which is very high right now. I mean, you guys know I've talked about Alabama a lot. Um, it's very high potential there, but they need to be able to knock down outside shots um, as well. And I think that's where Colin Sexton is going to add that dynamic where he's going to be able to dish the ball get people open for better shots, which is probably going to result in better shooting percentages, as we know. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, just a lot of really good shooters in this SEC And I think you have, like we said, you have a lot of these guys coming back that were in the top of the league last year. Um, And it's just going to be kind of, you know, intriguing to see who who adds to the mix. Who are the other guys that are going to be breakout shooters for their teams in particular? And look, you know, we talk about Monk and Hannah's are gone out of that top eight. Uh, Who are going to be the guys that step up for Kentucky and shoot the ball well? Who's going to be the guy that steps up for Arkansas and is able to knock down threes at a high rate? And we only talked about the top eight there, of course. Uh, so there's a lot more in there. I mean, Lamar Peters was another guy uh, who knocked down, I think he knocked down close to 63s last year. Uh, Admon Gilder was another guy who really came on, and we've talked about him a lot as well. So 
a league filled with shooters. And again, when we talk about the dynamic inside players who are going to draw a lot of attention from the defense, that's going to give these shooters a lot of opportunities uh, going forward. So to continue uh, with our next topic of the day, uh, you know, talking about these non-conference schedules, we've gone through them now here on the podcast. We broke down a couple of teams thus far, and today we are going to head to Lexington to talk about Kentucky's non-conference schedule, which was one of the first ones that came out. Came out in early June, uh, but a little more time to digest this thing and look at it. Uh, Kentucky's schedule on paper, like a lot of other teams we've talked about in the SEC, looks very challenging. Eight of the teams on their non-conference schedule were in the NCAA tournament last year. So that's always a positive, I think, when you talk about strength of schedule, and is Kentucky going to need that? When it comes to seeding, of course, and it always matters. I think, you know, it, it would be a surprise to anyone if we're talking about Kentucky, you know, needing an RPI to get into the NCAA tournament. I, I'm not sure we're going to see that happen. But there are a lot of challenging games on the schedule, so it'll be a fun one to see how it plays out. So let's do what we've been doing and go through uh, the schedule. And let's start at the top. And Kentucky opens up the season on November the 10th against Utah Valley, who is coached by Mark Pope, who was a member of that Kentucky National Championship team 1996. Uh, so a good you know, a good matchup to have there, bringing a guy back in there who's had success, obviously, at Kentucky as a player. Then the Wildcats will take on Vermont. Uh, Vermont won 29 games last year. I mean, a team that certainly has, has been in that upper echelon when we talk about mid-major teams throughout the years. And so that'll be a fun game on November the 12th. And then we get the showdown between Kentucky and Kansas yet again. Uh, these two will meet in Chicago, and look, we don't. there's only so much you can say about Kansas. We know that Bill Self's going to have the Jayhawks right at the top of the Big 12, competing for what will probably be their millionth Big 12 title. Uh, so that will be a lot of fun. These are two teams that will likely be ranked in the top five in the country uh, early on in the season, so who knows what we could have there. Uh, there will be plenty of talent on the floor. I think we know that for sure. And then Kentucky's going to come back home uh, to Rupp Arena on November the 17th and take on an East Tennessee State squad that Steve Forbes has really just done an outstanding job with. I mean, they have he has just done an unbelievable job with that program. They won 27 games last year, another one of those teams that got to the NCAA tournament from this group of eight on Kentucky's schedule. Uh, so you know Steve Forbes is going to have them ready. No matter what they have on their roster, Steve Forbes is going to have ETSU competing and then Kentucky will take on another NCAA tournament team. And we talk about a guy who done a really good job in getting his team to the NCAA tournament this past year. And that was Phil Cunningham at Troy. Uh, Troy, you know, gets to the NCAA tournament and, you know, really just got, got stuck with a bad matchup against Duke in the first round. Uh, but, you know, again, Cunningham, another guy like Forbes, who really just done a good job at that program and kind of had their breakthrough there in getting them to the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Wildcats will then on November 22nd take on Fort Wayne, uh, come back on November 26th, take on UIC, and then they'll head to the Ivy League. Well, they'll stay at Rupp Arena, but they'll head to the Ivy League on December the 2nd and take on Harvard. Uh, and then a very sort of fascinating matchup against Monmouth on December the 9th. And, you know, I think anyone who's watched basketball knows what King Rice has been able to do there in recent years. Monmouth is a team that you feel like should have been in the NCAA tournament, but they just haven't had success in the conference tournament, and they've gotten upset uh, despite winning 27 games last year. Uh, the year before, won a lot of games as well, and you feel like they should have been in the NCAA tournament, probably would have had a chance to knock somebody off, uh, but just lost the game at the wrong time, as we always see 
with this mid-major team. So December the 9th, mark that on your calendar. Monmouth will, will be good once again. King Rice has done an outstanding job there, uh, and that that should be a lot of fun. A lot of talent on the floor there as well. And then, um, you know, we, we talked about this team on a couple of other schedules at this point. Uh, Virginia Tech will hit the road and come to Rupp Arena on December the 16th. Uh, we, you know, Buzz Williams is going to have a very good team there. Most people probably think Virginia Tech's going to wind up possibly in that top four in the ACC. Uh, feels like a definite NCAA tournament team he's going to have on his hands there as they got to the tournament last year, made it to the first round before getting ousted. But, um, you know, another challenging SEC-ACC game uh, there because I think you don't want to overlook the Hokies. They're going to have a very solid team this year. Uh, and that will be, you know, another game where we talk about Kentucky trying to get this experience with this young group. Uh, that could be a challenging game, but they will have been tested pretty well at that point when we talk about the guys on the schedule before that. Uh, and then another exciting matchup. They go to New Orleans. Uh, the Wildcats will take on UCLA on December the 23rd, and that will be a rematch, obviously, of the Sweet 16 matchup from this past season where Kentucky got the victory. Uh, a lot of different faces on the floor for both teams now. We talk about the guys that are gone. We obviously know the big three from Kentucky are all gone. Lonzo Ball is gone from UCLA, but I think we all know Steve Offer is going to reload there, have UCLA once again in the mix there for the Pac-12 title. And then, here we go again, another uh, loaded game where Kentucky's going to take on Louisville on December the 29th. We know this one's always on the schedule uh, but with everything that Rick Patino has returning, the best thing you can say about this game for Kentucky is that it's at Rupp Arena because, you know, like Kentucky, a lot of people feel like Louisville, with the guys they're going to have coming back, could be a potential top five kind of team. They could win the ACC. And so we know what that game always provides. It's going to provide a lot of electricity, uh, an outstanding atmosphere. Uh, so there's another game where you could have two teams that are in the top five at that point squaring off right before or right after Christmas uh, in a, in a must-see game there. And Kentucky to round out the non-conference schedule, another tough test as they will go to Morgantown to take on West Virginia on January the 27th in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So be sure to, to watch that game. Mark that on your calendar now. Kentucky at West Virginia with that style of play. Uh, boy, it will be a lot of fun, and we don't know where Kentucky's going to be at that point. I think, you know, that's where the, the non-conference schedule, you know, kind of throws a, a wrench in it when you talk about having a, a non-conference game in late January. Uh, but, boy, Kentucky will have been tested plenty at that point, and we know it is never easy to play at West Virginia, especially against Bob Huggins in that style of play. And there's another team we talk about that has top ten aspirations uh, coming into the season so once again no surprise Kentucky's non-conference schedule is loaded with a lot of very good teams on paper at this point and I think again you talk about some of the powerhouse teams are going to play you know there could be three or four teams maybe on here that they play that could find themselves in the top 10 top five at some point during the season uh, so that just shows that you know this talent's gonna have to come together as it does every year the young guys are going to have to all be on the same page uh, to get through this very challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, but again, Kentucky's used to this. They understand the challenges. That's why they're on the schedule. And it will only help this team as they get ready for a very competitive SEC this season. That'll do it for today's episode of the Southeast Hoops podcast. Uh, I will be on vacation for the rest of the week. So be sure, if you haven't already, go back through the archives 
as I keep saying, listen to all the stuff that we've done thus far. Uh, this is episode, I think, 14 at this point. So there's a lot of stuff you can catch up on over the next several days while I am on vacation. And then we will hit back, uh, back, get back at it on Monday and get going with a lot more in-depth stuff. And like I said, getting closer to revealing my full set of first uh, off-season SEC power rankings. That will be a lot of fun. And I'm sure plenty of you uh, whose team is at the bottom will let me know how much you disagree with my opinions. But that's okay. Uh, like I said, first edition Things will change probably before we get to October, uh, so don't freak out about it. Be sure you subscribe. Head over to your app, uh, iTunes, whatever you use. Search for Southeast Hoops. You can subscribe. Then you'll get every episode delivered as soon as they go up. Uh, so thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast, and I will catch up with you guys next week.